Well, good morning. Um, find Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Um, we're going to spend the entire morning in that section. I'm not going to go away from it. Uh, we are continuing a series, like Kennedy said, on Built on a Rock. And it's the way I would define it is we're talking about kind of the function and the structure of our church. And um, I have uh, the growing church. Um, and I have given it a slightly more provocative title, Grow Up. Um, but I'm on good ground because, as you can see in the bottom, the Apostle Paul says, grow up. Right. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the the head, even Christ. So to start, I'm going to read the whole section and then I don't want to say I'm going to cherry pick. It's a very dense section and I'm just going to pick out some nuggets that struck me for the next 30 minutes or so. I will also say um, I feel like this might be one of the more provocative talks I've given um, but I want to assure you, I'm suspicious uh, that every time I get assigned a section and a topic to speak on, God is provoking me the most. So should you feel provoked, don't just understand I was even more provoked about my own life studying for this. So we're going to start, we're going to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. This is the NLT. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So that's our passage of scripture. Like I said, it's quite dense. There's probably plenty of sermons in that, but we're just going to focus on a few things. And the way I've structured the talk today is I'm going to pose a series of questions for us. So we're just going to start with some questions and then see if the text can help us. So the first question is, why do we have to grow up? Why do we have to grow up? And for that verse, you can see that First of all, in verse 14, it says that we will be no longer immature like children. And that, that word children is actually infant. It's an infant in the Bible. In fact, one place it said the root of the word is without language, meaning, you know, really infant. But I couldn't quite verify that for very small, so we can't stay tiny. We have to grow up. And why? So this is, we're going to come back to this many times, but the purpose of growing up is so that we can be equipped 
to do his work, God's work, and to build up the church. So he wants us to be functional. Now, I use these dogs as an example, right? So on this side is the little puppy, the little dirty puppy, right? We can all tolerate the little dirty puppy. He's so cute. Look, he got a little muddy, right? And we're going to put him in a little bath and a little towel and he's going to be fuzzy and frisky. We're going to love that. Little puppy, that's cute, right? The middle is not so cute. So that's a dog that's grown up physically but has not matured, right? None of us want that dog. If that dog came into your house every day, right, you would not want that dog. Right? You, that dog is not functional. Martha and I, we had a dog and, uh, it barked incessantly. In fact, we got a letter from the homeowners association that the neighbors were complaining. Right? That dog was not mature. That dog was not functional. Is Nan here? Nan, you're not here, but we did not send that dog to the big puppy farm in the sky, but we did send the dog to a farm, all right? We removed it from us because it wasn't functional, right? What we want is this dog, a nice, functional dog, and that's what God wants for us. He needs us to grow up so that we can do his work, right, and build up the church, It's very clear in this passage. He needs work to be done. We are his workers, and he needs us to be functional and mature to do it. So that's point number one. So number two, how do we grow up? Okay, so we know God wants to grow us up. I hope you all agree with that. It's not rocket science, right? Two ways, this passage is very clear, two ways that we grow up. Number one, the church grows us. And when I'm talking about church, I'm talking about this group of people right here grows me and it grows you and we grow each other, right? It says the responsibility of the church is to equip to God's people to do his work and to build up the church. So church grows us, but then also we grow the church, right? So as individuals, we're responsible to grow other people in the church. So it's two sides of the of the coin, right? It's everyone is helping grow me, and I'm helping grow everyone. That's the fundamental. And, and so the take-home message here, the big point, if you have to remember one thing, but don't leave yet, I'm giving you early, a primary engine for my personal growth and the growth of others in this building is our involvement in the church. It's, it's us participating in body life. Okay? That's the take-home message, is that you have to participate in the life of this church if you want to grow and if you want to help others grow. Now, I debated. See, I said a primary engine for our growth. Okay? I debated using the primary engine, but... I'm not here, I'm just, I want you to hear this. I am not dismissing the solitary disciplines. Prayer, Bible study, meditation, journaling, fasting, silence, solitude, right? There are, there are, I could persuasively give a sermon saying that those are important for growing up too. So there are things that you do in your private life, 
the private disciplines, and then there are the communal or the public disciplines, and what we're talking about today. But it is very clear from this passage, very, very clear, that this milieu here is essential for growth. So one question you might tell, if you're, I said I was going to be provoking a little bit, so in my heart, I feel like, am I stagnating? Am I growing? And if not, why not? And one of the things that we're going to look at this a little bit is, am I taking advantage of this to grow? Am I taking advantage to grow others? And am I taking advantage to be grown in this milieu? So we're going to look a little bit more about that as we go. The church grows us. So remember, point number one is the church grows us. All right. So I'm having a little bit of a hard time reading that. Um, Let me find it on this paper. Hold on. That's why I had to do it this way, too. All right. Here's the here's the portion that talks about the church growing us. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, you might look at this and think, well, then that's like the clergy's job. But actually, and I'm not going to go into this in detail, Herb talked about all of this a couple weeks ago. So I'm not going to rehash that. But that we all have gifts that we're using to grow up each other. This isn't a clergy laity distinction here. What this is saying is there are folks in this church that have these gifts. They're growing us, right? You might be one of those folks. And as Herb said, this is not a, a, a complete list of gifts. So there's all sorts of gifts. And we're all using those to grow me. I'm being grown by all of you doing this, okay? I'm not going to talk about the mechanism. Go back and listen to Herb's sermon. But I want to talk about three things, in my opinion here. This is a little bit more my opinion. I think the church involves us in growth in three different ways. It educates us, it calls us to engagement, and it inspires us. Now, I'm going to tell you, um, I give uh, I give talks, I teach medical students, residents, For a number of years, this has always been the framework of when I give a talk in in this building or actually at my work, right? I want to educate you this morning. I want to educate you. I either want to teach you something new or I want to reinforce something you already know to make it more real to you. Okay? That's part of growth, right? So I'm doing this to you from up here right now, but we can all do that to each other. I also want to engage you, all right? I want to make you get involved, right? I want to make you walk out of here this morning thinking, I need to get involved, I need to participate more, I want to grow other people and I want to grow myself, and I want to inspire you, I want to appeal to your emotion, I want you to go out, yeah, you know, like when my Clemson wins and my wife's dancing on the balcony, right? So I want, I want you to do that. So, And I think that is in general the dynamic of the church, right? It's over and over and over, we're educating each other, we're engaging each other in projects, and we're inspiring each other. And I, So now I'm going to talk about Westside just a little bit, I'm going to walk a little bit, like Kenny said, I've been here forever, right? Um, I'm going to walk us a little bit down memory lane. You, some of you may recognize some people in this picture. The little sullen child 
on that side is my youngest daughter, by the way. So, um, but you will see Stanley's in there, uh, the Zimmerman kids, uh, Brandon and Brenda Hernandez are in there. They actually, through this, brought Danny Medina to the church, who's now married to my nephew. So anyway, long story. So this is an example of how we educate, engage, and inspire each other. But I was going to do a whole montage of pictures of all the things Westside has done over the last long number of years to educate and inspire. But almost all the pictures, we were so involved in youth ministry, it's all like kids. And like I wanted a more broader thing. So Martha and I just brainstormed. Like, so educate. Think of all the ways Westside has educated this this meeting right here, we have life groups, we have lifeline, we have men's time out, we do retreats, we participate at Eagle Firm, we do TCL, which is training Christian leaders. Westside participates in that. So we have multiple venues that we all can participate in to educate each other. In terms of engagement and inspiration, I kind of just lumped them together. But think of all the things we've done through the years. We've done movie nights. We've had sporting events here. We've had Valentine. We've had an infinite number of food events in which we gather and we talk to each other and we sit around tables, women's bazaars and Christmas things. We've done garage sales to raise money here, right? We've done Veggie Tales plays and Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe plays. Um, all these things that we do as a church that hopefully some of which will appeal for you to become involved, to educate Engage and inspire yourselves and others to grow. That's, in my opinion, the mechanism of how the church works. I, and I know I miss youth group. I miss Sunday school. I miss, I miss so many things. I was worried when I came up with this. It was like, okay, I'm going to forget somebody and someone is going to be irritated. But don't be irritated. It was a sampling of the things we do here at Westside. All right? Um, <clears throat> now, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because... I already told you the basic point. We grow the church, and the church grows us. Okay? This portion, in my opinion, somewhat uniquely helps us learn if we're growing. I don't see this in many other portions, so we're going to spend a little bit of time. And this, Nathan, reflects back a little bit to your sermon about, like, how do I know I'm a Christian? How do I, like, what are the markers so that's kind of where we're going with this. So how do we know? How do I know? Like you might think, well, I'm involved. I'm engaged. I'm growing. Okay, let's objectify that a little bit if we can. Okay, that's what we're going to do here. So the first way that, well, the first thing I'm going to say is something that is not mentioned. Okay, so I'm going to read something here from Larry Kraft. A cult, as a culture, present-day Christianity has redefined spiritual maturity. We moderns now live to be blessed. The mature among us are thought to be the successful, the happy, the effective, and the people on top who are doing well. Okay? That is not, in contrast to some teaching today, Worldly success is not defined in this portion as spiritual maturity. Okay, It's not not spiritual maturity, and it's not 
spiritual maturity. It's not mentioned. Okay? So we tend to use as a marker people who we view as successful, as perhaps being spiritually more mature. It's not. One might argue, given the trials, tribulations, persecution, and martyrdom of our forefathers, that mature Christians were not always in the cool kids club, if those are any markers of it. But it's not mentioned. All right, so that's the first thing. First thing that is mentioned. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So the first mark of whether you're growing up is speaking the truth in love. The word, the speak the truth, in the original language is one word. One word. It's not three words. So, we, Ironside, several have said this should be better translated, truthing in love. But that's a little awkward, right? We don't really say truthing. So, but it, the, the translation is truthing in love. So, how do I think that means? I think that means living the truth of Jesus Christ, manifesting the truth of Jesus Christ, certainly speaking the truth of Jesus Christ. So living, manifesting, speaking the truth of Jesus Christ. That is a mark that you're growing up the more and more you do that. What's that look like? So Ironside tells this little story. A young man was asked the question, what have you found to be the best translation of the New Testament? Without a moment's hesitation, he answered, my mother's. His friend said, your mother's? I didn't know she was a scholar. Did she translate the New Testament? The man answered, my mother was not a scholar. She could not read a word of Greek, but she translated the New Testament into her beautiful life, and that made more of an impression on me than anything else I have ever known. Now, if you're a parent right now, that was like, oh, (laughs) right? Oh, my gosh. So it's like, okay, well, there's the bar, right? (laughs) So I'll just, it's a different sermon, but children are so forgiving. So just keep trying to truth in love, okay? Just keep trying to do that. But that's what this means, truthing in love. So that's the first thing. Number two, knowledge of Christ. This will continue until we've all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of the Son of God. All right? That we will be mature in the Lord. Knowledge of the Son of Christ. So this is basically, you got to be educated about who Jesus was and what his message was. Right? So, again, church, we're educating. It's a part of what we do. Now, education by itself can just lead to pride, right? I know all everything about everything, but I'm not truthing in love, right? But it's hard to be growing in Christ if you're not continually educating yourself about Christ. Okay? Number three. Unity of the faith. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. Okay? I'm not going to talk about this because Dan and Jim talked at length about it in the last two weeks. So you can go back and listen to their sermons. I'm just going to say one thing that I don't think I heard either one of them say. Unity... If you are an individual practicing unity, that is a mark that you are growing in Christ. And I believe by extension, 
A church that is unified is a growing, mature church. So go back, listen to their talks. They dealt with it extensively. And then number four, knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So, again, the Apostle Paul set the bar fairly high. So, we were were done growing until we measure up in full conformity to the standard of Christ. Yay! (laughs) Right? So, um, I think I'm going to say one or two things about this. Number one is, what that means is that we never stop growing, right? Because we all, what we say with this is, well, that's when I get to heaven, right? Which is true. But, you know, Paul doesn't say that here. Like, you can stop when you're mature enough. He actually says, you got to grow all the way to full conformity of Christ. So, I think that's a call that we should never stop growing. Number two, I'm going to say something to the old people in the room. And you know who you are. I'm not going to call you out by name. (laughs) Just in case you don't think you're old. This is an encouragement and an exhortation. The exhortation is, it doesn't matter how old you are. From this section, it appears that you need to keep growing. And the encouragement is, so I'm 63. I just turned 63 yesterday. I'm watching you old people. (laughs) And I am so impressed by so many of you how you're continuing to grow. Okay, I, I just cannot tell you how encouraged I am to see people who I think should have tapped out. Not because, you know, just like, but you don't. You just keep going. And that is such an encouragement to me. And so keep going on that, okay? Keep growing until you hit full conformity with Christ, then you can stop. All right? That's the, that's the thing. Okay. There are two negatives, two things here that immature people do. One is they're capricious. I came up with that. I didn't make that word up, but I actually came up with that word. I got to look here again because. All right. They're capricious. They're motivated by whim or fancy. Bill McDonald called them religious gypsies, but I changed it to nomads because I think that's a little more PC. Right. So anyway, we know these people, right? They're just they follow the squirrel. Right? They just follow the squirrel. Right? A new, a new fad, a new thing, a new church thing going on over here. A church that's more cool over there. And listen, there are good reasons to leave churches. There are good reasons to stay in churches. That's not what I'm talking about, the good reason stuff. I'm talking about just cannot stay focused on the fundamentals. Just toss to and fro and running back and forth from different churches. Number one. Number two is a gullible. Right? So the second one is... We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. This is probably the most dangerous, right? So this is this is how heresy comes to the church, right? So immature Christians are gullible. They 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 bite on the hook of new theology that isn't true. Mature Christians are the opposite of capricious and gullible. Okay. 
The church grows us, we grow the church. All right. Again, now we're going to get into some body stuff. So I'm a doctor. We're going to get into a little bit of body. Ted said, I've never seen x-rays before in a sermon. Well, Ted, here you go. All right. We're going to get x-rays. All right. So we grow the church. So you already get it. Again, go read Herb's thing. But we all, this part's very clear. We all are a part of the body and we help other parts of the body grow. Okay. This last part, I think, is is the part where it might get sensitive, but I'm just going to run through it here. So the last question I'm going to ask is, why might we not be engaged? Like, okay, you now you know. I understand the plan. I grow the church. The church grows me. I got to get involved. Okay, why not? Well, you might have been ignorant. Right. Just bluntly put, you might not have understood that there's an unattributed famous saying. I, if I didn't do a football quote today, I'd be remiss. So there's an un, unattributed famous saying, you know, football is 22 men on the field desperately needing rest and 40,000 fans desperately needing exercise. Right. So you might have thought that's what church was. You might have thought, look, I'm just I'm in the stands. I mean, it's. That's not uncommon. America, we just kind of become a spectator sport, right? We kind of just let the professionals do their job and we sit in the stands. Okay, that's not it. You can't claim ignorance anymore. <clears throat> Number two, we might not be, we might be, be disconnected from church. We might be disconnected. This is a picture of renal artery stenosis. I hope none of you have it, but God gave you two kidneys. So even if you have it on one side, you're still okay. But the kidney on that side, right? You can see the kidney on that side's all shrunk down. And that's because the green arrow is showing the renal artery isn't getting blood to it, right? So this renal artery stenosis and the kidney has shrunk down. I'm 33. Okay, I've got time for this story. I'm going to tell you this. This is this is where I've felt personally convicted. So I'll, I'll share my heart a little bit here. I, as you've heard, I'm 63. For the first 59 years of my life, I pretty much can say, if I was in town, I was at church. If I was in town, I came from a very devout family. My mother probably dragged me to church two days after I was born. Right. And I and then at the age of 59, something happened. COVID. Okay. now I'm looking out there right now and I know there are people listening online. I'm not talking about you. I don't I am talking about you, but I don't even know who you are. Okay. so COVID hits. And let me refresh your memory of what happened to this church. If you were here, church shut down. Right. For a few weeks, we didn't have church at all. And then we made this little embryonic virtual church, kind of real amateur hour to start. No offense, because we professionalized it now, right? And then we started, and people, preachers came and preached here with nobody here. Nobody was preaching to an empty auditorium. And then we opened back up, but benches all apart, six feet apart, masks on everywhere, no loitering in the lobby. Everyone go home right away, right? Um, and now slowly we've done this. But during that time, I had an epiphany. The epiphany was, I did not need to come to church, even if I was six minutes away in my house. And you know what? I didn't. Not every Sunday, but 
some Sundays in the jammies, cooking a little ham and egg omelet, plunked on the couch with my bearskin slippers on, right? I'm going to watch service, right? And do you know what happened when I did that? Nothing. Lightning did not strike me from heaven, right? (laughs) I'm like... Oh my goodness, this is how the other half lives on Sunday morning. This is why there are all these cool songs by atheists about Sunday morning being so cool, right? Nothing happened. And I'm, now listen, I am pro virtual service. I think it's a good thing. I know there's debate, pluses and minuses. It was a seductive thing for me. <clears throat> and I'm gonna just say this. If you Wonder about your growth. If you wonder if you're not growing enough, look at your involvement in the church. I'm not saying it's over. If you, I'm just going to say if you watch church virtually every Sunday, you're probably not involved enough. I know there are other things we do. You're probably not involved enough. Okay? This isn't legalism. I, it's like, I, you know, like I said, God didn't strike me dead. I don't know if he has a little ledger or not up there. I don't think so. What I know is he wants me to grow. Okay? Last one. We may not be engaged because of trauma. This is another sensitive thing. Okay, And, and I, I use humor a lot, but I in no way want to be humorous. This is a kid who fractured through their growth plate as a kid. right? So the growth plate is what makes you grow. So once your growth plate is closed, you're not going to grow. So Jim's not going to be a power forward in the NBA. His growth plates are closed, Jim. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Point guard. You got that all day. Right. Okay. So your growth plate closes because he had a fracture through it. Now his leg didn't grow and it also got all wonky. Right. The church can be a traumatic place. I, I, I understand that. I truly do. The church can wound people. The church can do things that make people... Not want to be engaged. And, and I, I, I understand that. I believe in PTSD. I, I was at a talk last summer from a combat, uh, emergency doctor, room doctor that went to Iraq. Um, and he wanted to illustrate the severity of PTSD amongst combat veterans that I work for. It was a virtual presentation. Halfway through, seasoned clinicians signed off. Two-thirds of the way through, the chief staff of our hospital said, we probably should stop showing this. I understand, and I know physical trauma is not what happens in church usually, but there can be emotional trauma, there can be spiritual trauma. From this passage, I don't think I see where that gives you a pass from participating in church. It might look different, might look totally different, But I don't see that you can just say, I've been traumatized, I'm going to sit in the stands. Right? So you've got to figure out something to do about that. Last slide. And this is another thing. Seasons. As Kennedy said, I've done a lot of things in this church. Right? Um... So you might find this to be the most hypocritical sermon ever because I've kind of tapped out of almost all of them just in the last six months, right? So six months ago, Dick was up here. Oh, Keith left youth group. A month ago, Kennedy. Oh, Keith stepped down as a deacon. Listen, I, I, there are seasons to life. So this is not about guilting anybody into like 
you got to do it. Dude, you aren't involved enough. That's not what this is about, right? This is about if you are thinking in your heart about growth and you're thinking in your heart about growing others in the church. Where should you fit in? My, I, I have a season of life changed. Not only can I not keep up with youth anymore, I don't really want to try. <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm moving on, baby. I'm letting those two do it. Right? So, so seasons change. And so I don't want anyone going away here saying like Keith is just hammering, sledgehammering people about they got to get involved. That's not it. Evaluate your season of life. Evaluate where you're at. Father, I just pray for all of us that we grow. We grow each other, we grow ourselves, um, and all so that we can do your work. We can be a part of your plan for the church on Hillsboro and the church in our community, the church in the world. Father, we all want that if we want to follow Jesus, so help us to do that better. In Jesus' name, amen.